All right, we're black. The Teach Me Wild Black podcast is back with its second season. And this season, we have an official co-host, Angela. Angela, greet the people. Hey, hey, hey. I'm back. And I'm your co-host, Dre. Black at it to share our experiences as black educators and comment on happenings affecting black educators. So when I started this podcast, I was a classroom teacher wanting to share my journey in education. Since then, I've been promoted to an assistant principal of instruction. In this role, I coach teachers weekly. I interact with students inside and outside the classroom and tend to other administrative duties. And for those of you that don't know, my sister Angela has been a guest on roughly half the episodes. Angela was a sixth grade world cultures teacher and middle school coach, but she has some news to share. All right, so I am currently the girls' athletic coordinator on my campus. So uh, instead of being in the classroom, I'm now in the gym. Uh, so I do teach uh, coach PE as well as the athletic periods. And I oversee all of the coaching from the girls' in. I coordinate, create our tournaments and all the activities that we have, create culture on campus, and just, you know, make sure that our, our girls' athletics program is continuing to be top-notch. All right. Congratulations, boss lady. Ah, Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So let's get into it. Angela, what's one word to describe your week so far? And just so listeners know, um, some schools have started back. Others have not in our area, but uh, we just finished up our first week of instruction with students. So Angela, what's one word to describe your week? So I may maybe not have one word, but like a phrase, it's eye-opening. Kids are, you know, it's to say I'm working with the same grade level in some cases, but to see them on this other path for the other part of their life, it's it's interesting and, and eye-opening. And then also just my week has been, you know, starting with the girls' athletics program, volleyball and things like that. So understanding all of, I've always had to deal with parents, but now I'm dealing with literally every single one of them and making sure I'm directing them in the right way. We had tryouts, and so I guess real eye-opening about tryouts is how many parents want to know who made a team prior to the team being made, and when you have those conversations, how parents kind of, they, they like to drop off, you know, how well they played in sports as if it's going to translate to their child, especially when, you know, you're not even of the same gender, um, you you being a professional athlete does not necessarily transfer to that child of yours. So it's it's eye opening just all of the conversations. There was there was a child that couldn't close a lock that was new to me. I didn't know that was a thing. Like wait, closing the lock for your lockers? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, that that I've never experienced. And it's like, man, you know, opening locks. I've done that. Like, but the, like couldn't. Couldn't understand. All you got to do is push up and it just locked. It's a, it's a lot. It was a lot of different things. The questions that are getting asked about locker rooms, you know, I'm never there when they're just now getting that whole, we got to get dressed out. And so mm. the questions they ask, the concerns that they have, it's eye opening. It's funny though. It's, it's a lot I mean, of, it's a lot of laughter that goes in to like, it's about. Stuff. Think about the first time you had to like dress out. Excuse me, what's about to happen? I don't. I mean, we shared a whole room for a good we, portion of our life, and I don't. I couldn't even really tell you if we really got dressed in front of each other, like because we didn't. It, yeah, but yeah, because we didn't. It's like you mind your own business. Even if yeah, you had to walk uh, into the closet and put yeah. your 
So, I mean, we spread them out and stuff, but I, I will tell you the funniest part of the one of the funniest ones was someone raised their hand. You know, you're supposed to answer the question, like, right? They raised their hand respectfully. But um, it was a, a question about what happens if the person's commando. And I was like, you know, you just don't, <laughs> you just don't look. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't know. I won't know because I'm not looking at y'all. I won't know. I won't know. One school I do remember, there were like curtains. You came out of that area because it's wet to get um, dressed. And so there were obviously um, your peers that were more comfortable with their body than others and they're just kind of like out and free and so mm-hmm. is that kind of what she's talking about or is well, it well because for us so ours we don't have like the, the shower area you're not allowed in there unless you're showering so okay. it's middle school most of them are um and then you have the bathroom area where you can't change the bathroom area because people because you're expected to use the rest you can't leave in the middle of us working out to go to the restroom and you've had 20 minutes to do it 10 before Mm -hmm. 10 after so it's like the classes are 45 minutes so you got 20 you know 15 minutes of play time and the rest of this is go to the restroom when you need to so you can't change in there but they're like their lockers are kind of spread out around the locker room so there's not like all the entire class at the same area so they can spread themselves out how they like um and we even tell them like hey you know some people like to like kind of halfway keep the shirt on but then put the other shirt on and then pull the other shirt out mm. you know um you can bring a towel wrap it around you and then and, you know you can take you know un- undress yourself that way and then pull your clothes up and then take the towel out take it back off and put it in so we try to give them options of like if you're trying not to get seen you, you can you can make it work it's like right. getting dressed on a beach essentially uh, and people do that all the time. Surfers are getting dressed on beaches all the time. And so we try to give them options. I think it's just, um, I think this group is also some of the newer kids. They're, you know, you're dealing with still the effects of COVID um, and the way that their brain processes stuff is, I think, slightly different than the other ones, uh, right. the other groups, as far as how they ask questions and what they've been, um, what they've seen and things on the internet and all that. My word <laughs> to describe my week it's interesting. That's all I got for y'all because I use the term interesting when I'm really unsure about how to professionally um respond to something or comment on it. No, I, I, I or or when I'm when I'm feeling like, you know, my vocabulary is a little too limited to describe the situation that's happening in that moment. <laughs> so, you know, during the first week of elementary school, we always have jokingly say (laughs) that it's (laughs) our job to just get them here get them fed keep them safe get them home correctly and I'm going to say we mostly did those things and leave it at that (laughs) mostly (laughs) leave it at that that's all I got for you I I can only imagine especially because you're now with the higher like you know the young ones got their own issues but then you got the second through fourth I feel like it's an interesting Oh no 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 no! Yeah. Let's let's you talk be about clear. The too. Well, <laughs> that's <cool. laughs> the the teacher. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what I can say is overall, and I'm just gonna say this based on conversations with other administrators, and then like reading these um, posts in these administrative groups on Facebook, is there seems this year to be a trend of teachers being perceived as more negative. So like. What administrators are saying is they're 
getting more complaints. I think you have to be careful, like, not to negate what teachers are saying, but also you can't complain about every single thing. Yeah, oh, 100%. That's kind of a trend I'm feeling. Um, it's just, for for me, it's like the questions that come up or the complaints that come up are interestingly different than in mm -hmm. the past. And I don't know what that is about this year in particular, but when I'm talking about interesting, I, it's not upper grades. It's the the kids in upper school. They've been pretty chill. <laughs> They've been pretty good. And you, you know, year continues. <laughs> and you know, um, so I have second through fourth. My first graders from last year, obviously, are in second grade, and so um, I see them, and it's it is kind of cool because you know what they were like at the beginning of the year last year, and you see them this year, and you're like, man. Y'all are, you know, I mean, I know it's early, but you're, you're, you're maturing. Yeah. It's like, okay, can work with this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. My uh, former kindergartner, so first day I supported in um, first grade lunch. So the choices on my quote unquote lesson plan from my leader was um, support first grade lunch or support kindergarten um, recess. And it's it's all happening at the same mm. time. And so lunch sound better. these are not my grade levels, but, you know, whatever <laughs> teamwork makes the dream work. So I go in, of course, uh, of course, I go into lunch because mm -hmm. first off, I'm going to sweat and I'm never going to cool down until it's dismissal time and then I'm going to start sweating again because yeah. here's another thing is on my campus I um as far as like office staff and leadership team I'm like the person that likes it to be cooler and so everybody has heaters and so you may walk into somebody's office and their heater is on 77 and I'm like I told one of them it feels like somebody's hot breath in here why are we letting mm -hmm. the heater and it's a hundred degrees outside. <laughs> I refuse to buy a heater. When people are like your room cold, I refuse to buy a heater. It's not happening. I will say the heaters are necessary because we have these modular buildings, and it does get very cold in the winter. So I just need it enough to like knock the chill out a little bit in the winter, and then I'm good. So like first thing in the morning, when the heat in the whole building hasn't been on. You got to knock mm -hmm. the chill out. So it does make sense that we have them. It's just interesting to me. <laughs> oh, that's my not word. When it's, not when, when it's 105 outside. Uh, I'm like, y'all put on a sweater then. Bring a sweater. They make cardigans. You should buy cardigans for the group. That's it. No, we got those expensive. Um, oh, you right. <laughs> Mine, mine's on the back of my chair. So <laughs> you should just start passing out flyers. And remember those cardigans that you got? Oh, remember those, those like, long-sleeved attire that we received last year? They're probably like, young, get on my nerves, because I'm quick to say, y'all, it's hot. Mm -mm. It's so hot outside. I always say it's easier for y'all to put something on than it is for me to take something off, because I can only get so naked, right? Yeah, like, it is I a school environment. Keep, exactly. <laughs> so it can't, come on. Come my job on. my job does pay my bills the week has been interesting um I'm sure I'll share more later oh yeah yeah <laughs> not today but um share more about you know what's making things interestingly 
um different we have had some some challenges with personnel already you know day five down yeah. uh, 50, <laughs> 50 million more days to go <laughs> it's but it is interesting that you're talking about how everybody's negative because at our convocation that's what it was about it was about really? it's not as bad as y'all think basically <laughs> and like in short if I had to like summarize it's like it's not as bad as you think people saying you not everybody's leaving Oh, but it's not that difficult. Well, an interesting thing is like, um, so I have second through fourth grade uh, teams, specifically second through fourth grade math teams. And so um, second grade, they are down to four teachers, Mm. but they have, you know, the same number of kids as the other grade levels that have five teachers. So Mm. they have you know, about 33 kids in a classroom, which, you know, you're coming from middle school background, so that's not necessarily phasing you. But at the elementary level, you know, typically our cap is 22. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's 50% over or 150% of their expected classroom size. I just knew I was going to be dealing with complaints by that from that. And, and, and I mean, rightfully so, because... Yeah, you, there's not enough time in the That's day for that many kids in one room. It's but, just, if they had more time, it'd be easier. But I will say that team, I mean, they've been rolling with the punches right now. So I am grateful for that. <laughs> so I'm grateful for that. Okay, so I know that you have sort of a love-hate, maybe more hate relationship with technology. Hmm, you know me, I do not. I was born in the wrong decade. I keep telling people, maybe even century. I don't know. But yeah, I, I, I could have did without this. You're definitely giving like 36 going on, 80. Yes. Sometimes. But I wanted your thoughts on chat GPT or artificial intelligence. I like, I can appreciate somebody's mind working towards creating this, right? Like, but I'm not sure this was made for the general public. It's just, it's it, it's crazy, one, that, you know, it, 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 the brain of this artificial intelligence does, it has some human aspects, right? It remembers things, it processes, it's formulating responses, and, and just, you know, it has access to so much information and it can turn it into something that you potentially could use for good, but then also could potentially use for bad. I think for like education purposes, generally speaking, I think the people who have access, the general population of students who have access are not going to use it in a way that is actually going to promote their (laughs) intellectual well-being, their ability to problem solve and things of that nature. So if you can just, you know, kind of click in a question and then it gives you an answer that sounds reasonable to your young mind gonna put it there but then it's not like it's telling you where it came from so you're still that whole sourcing and and giving credit where credit needs to be given and and where credit's due all of that is out the window so essentially you're just plagiarizing the rest of your whole life but then it's going to catch up to you at some point and somebody's going to say like you really don't have the skills that you haven't come up with these these solutions to problems on your own and so I think our Current kids, and I think most campuses around the nation probably have like mission statements or have um, a philosophy where we're supposed to be 
helping kids become leaders in the future, become critical thinkers of some sort. But this this AI stuff is taking all of that away. Um, and we're you can see it whenever you know kids come to you, or I mean, I'm sure the elementary kids already already come with problems of their own. But some of the kids, even in eighth grade, come with you with a problem, and you're like. This is not that hard to solve if you would just take a moment and think it through. You know, that's like the not kids a result. You don't think that's think a, result a result of, yes. of technology. I think too much. It's just too easy for them to just type it in and never have to figure it out. It's but like, see, how many of them are going to be lost because of these maps that they don't know how to read? Okay, okay, okay. Okay, that part might be true, right? Because uh, I saw... You mentioned in maps. So, you know, at some point, actually, you and I talked about like the millennials and what we've we've experienced pre this uh, reliance on technology and also this current times where technology is just like at your fingertips for any and everything that you can Mm -hmm. imagine. And so anyway, I saw a a meme or something that was talking about how kids will never know um, what it was like to have to print out pages of directions from... (laughs) That planet aspect from MapQuest to go, um, you know, go to find somewhere, and so um, it's interesting because back then we thought that was like the dopest thing because now you didn't have to sit and like Mm -hmm. orient and make your way through the map. And I remember when we used to travel with Daddy specifically, if you were navigator, sometimes that legit meant you're gonna have a a map in front of you, that book, and you're trying to help him. Like, okay, well, what road can I take? And I'm like, bruh. This is a lot to navigate. <laughs> like construction, on that map. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, map. we gonna have to go around, or there's traffic. So, what can we do? And it's like, okay, I appreciate our parents for sure. Made sure we could navigate life as independent women, because Lord knows <laughs> we are independent women. But the other side of me is like, if the technology is there, why the heck should I have to do this stuff the old way? Like, but I get like, okay, technology is great until it until it fails us, right? Um, so so I'll give you an example. This week, there's a teacher that was having t- issues with her smart board. It's actually a Promethean board. Okay. Ah. So I get a text to go in there and try to fix it, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not IT, but I go in there and troubleshoot just the basic things that I know to do, and um, so I'm like, did you put a ticket in? No. And I said, friend, Mm. I'm not, I I don't know how to do this. And I said, "Uh, you can try Googling and use the, uh, the model number of your device. But like beyond that, you can call, I gave her the, their help number and they could, they may be able to try to walk you through it. But like, I am not technology. And so I know she was super stressed because she said, she needs her board for everything that she had planned for the first day. And she's like, I've been trying to get someone to help me for over a week. So like, I didn't say this out loud, but something that I have noticed as a trend is like, there are people that want me to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. And some of those problems don't really require me to do the thinking. And so in this situation, I'm just thinking me as a teacher, if I know my technology's not been working, then I can't plan for my day to be all centered around technology. Mm-hmm. I can't. And so it's interesting because my principal, I remember something she said last year to somebody. She was like, I mean, what did you do before you had the smart board? 
It's like, yeah. exactly. So, you know, I <laughs> feels like I feel so old. But, you know, when I first started teaching, I had an overhead projector with the transparency. Well, um, you know, if we didn't have transparencies, then you just drew straight on the thing. If you were out of a bulb, then you had to draw on. Uh, then I had a chalkboard. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you just made it work. And there's a lot of like, I don't know what that is. I feel like it's tied to a conversation you had about grit and resiliency. It's just Mm. like, there's this, we just get frazzled and oh my gosh, our plans. And there's not um, a level of critical thinking and problem solving that's happening. But I'm still unsure if that's a result of the technology itself, or is that a result of people always problem solving and doing for them? Well, I think some of the technology does make to where people do all the problem solving stuff where you just put a question in. So even like when we teach kids how to research, you know, because you you have asked them a question. So they go to, a you know, Britannica or they go to these research sites and they start asking a question like it's Google instead of just like looking for a specific person, just type the person's name in. And they keep, instead of, you know, because we're telling, you know, you're doing something with World War II. We're saying you need to find an important piece of technology. You need to find an important leader or whatever from the country that you're doing your World War II research in. They're so busy asking it questions, right? And so critical thinkers do ask questions, but at the same time, you have to know the right question to ask and whether or not you should be asking for a question when it comes to these search engines. They're so quick to just want to ask a question and a question pops up and they pick the first one every time. And so you'll have someone who says Muhammad Ali is from India. And you're like, Muhammad Ali, the boxer that you are writing about, you didn't even look to read that this man is American when you were trying to find an important leader from India. There Mm. is a Muhammad Ali in India. These two look totally different because one's Indian and one's black. But you didn't even think past to read past the first sentence in mm. the the link that you were given because you just assume that the technology is right. And so when you get to AI, it's that same concept, I think, with them. They just assume that it's right and they're not reading past it. They're not going to read into it. Okay, okay. It's, Hear me it's out. hard for us to see that maybe we should give them the tools technology-wise, but still make them do some of the stuff the hard way. Like sometimes the hard way teaches you the critical thinking aspect of, you know, not everything's easy. Hear me out though. Is this also a result of teachers refusing to evolve with technology? Because you just very succinctly describe some ways, really some, some things um that we really just need to teach students so that they can use the technology correctly and so if we've got teachers that are just refusing to evolve with the students and with the technology now they're trying to like figure it out on their own and Mm -hmm. no one's helping them well that too I think I think some of that is because don't get me wrong I didn't like technology I always like listen to the people who knew about it to figure out how do we make it to where they're doing it correctly. So whenever I gave technology, I always had specific guidelines and we went over every aspect of like how we're going to do it here, how we're not using Google. Point blank period, we just had, mm-hmm. I had a no Google. We're no Wikipedia. Yeah, none of it. It was always, and I was like, as soon as I see Google dot, taking off point. Because I made sure that they were the, the, 
made sure they used search engines that were educationally based or mm -hmm. they were fact checked to a certain extent. So they got to use it, but they had to use that. But I do know that other teachers would tell me they're like, they're all in the library research folder and they're looking at these, you know, National Geographic through through the library site. And the teachers didn't know anything about it. I'm like, how am I a social studies teacher and you're an ELR teacher, or you're a science teacher, and you didn't know that we had we had all these reputable sites for them to use. But if I'm the only one who's forcing them to use it, then at some point, yeah, they're going to go back to doing it to where they're just asking random sites questions and writing it down, right? And um, I would argue that there are a lot of teachers that maybe they don't fully understand how to do it themselves. Yeah. A lack, a lack think, of uh, training. Although the trainings are available and some of them uh, free, there's like a balance of, well... I don't need this. Old school was working. We know it's not when you look at, at least for our state, our data, it's not. Not like our numbers are the highest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then also, they, they keep trying to take it. People act like librarians have nothing to offer. When these librarians do some amazing things, like oh, when yeah. you think about, like, like, I get why you need a whole degree and you can't just wake up one morning and say you want to be a librarian. There's so much involvement that they do. But then people are scared to use them or like they don't want to take the time to figure out what the librarian is trying to teach your kid. I'm like, but there's so there's so much in the schools that are taking librarians out. But if you take the librarians out, you really are taking out the people who's kind of specialize in research, right? Like the librarian right. specializes in books, knowledge and um, attaining knowledge through literature of whatever sort. And it's like, but y'all take them out of the schools or y'all don't want to use them. So they're just babysitters and stuff. Or when they have a class, but then some teacher's absent, you're throwing all these kids in their room like they didn't have a planned day. You know, when you do that, you're taking away, once again, I guess, you're leading to these kids not being critical thinkers because they don't have these librarians to help them find what they need. I think people think librarians, and, and I was guilty of this, like, for sure, as a kid. Like, I just thought librarians just... Check it's out classic. the book. They just check out the book. They may handle the book fair and they read us books. That's it. And not to say that wasn't a lot in and of itself because I definitely appreciate um, the exposure to literature I got as a child, both at school and at home. But I didn't understand the scope of what a librarian mm. does. Like, I definitely didn't. I never, I'm not even sure I knew as a kid, like, oh, these are degreed professionals. Oh no, they kind of they they came off as just someone who watched over you when your teacher was needed gone. a break. <laughs> yeah. That that is how they came off. But they really they really are assets. Like I think I think if people utilize them more and and listen to them cuz I think also like you say um there's adults that the same think of librarians the same way they think of um the librarians when they were a child. Like they don't do anything. They get paid to do nothing. You know like they do so much and the, the amount of training they go to and like their, you know, their network, the librarian network is different than like this, the teacher network. Like, you know, their their conversations and stuff are way different there because they see everybody in the, I'm, I just think about how many of the librarians know like the name of all the kids and you're like, but how? Because that's how, that's how much the kids go in there. So I asked you all this about <laughs> your feelings on artificial intelligence because I downloaded the AI chat app and um, I've actually played with it a couple of times. I actually updated it recently 
And so I just sometimes will just see what does it give me. So in preparing for this episode, I was like, let me ask it to give me a list of questions to ask black, black teachers. And oh, so man. it did give me a list of questions and um, it gave me 10. But <laughs> here's here's sort of the preface to the questions. So it says, it's important to approach any conversation with respect and sensitivity, especially when asking questions related to racial or cultural backgrounds. Here's a list of respectful and thoughtful questions you can ask black teachers. This is already smarter than some world leaders. This is already, okay. It can be used as a little assistant to the assistant. That's all I'm saying. So gives a list of questions. Like one is what inspired you to become a teacher? Okay. Okay, Another. but you can ask it to anyone. Yeah, yeah, you can. Obviously. One, and yeah. I, yeah. Okay. How do you incorporate diversity and inclusivity into your curriculum? Once again, I think that's a, just an ask everybody question. That's, a, that's interview questions right there. Okay, but um, now that you bring that up, I mean, that's another way we could be using technology. It's like, yeah, okay. it's it's really just an assistant. Or like, for me, I think of it as an idea generator versus putting it in a way people use it to plagiarize. It's just like, Still like play, oh, yeah. where's some things that I didn't think to ask? Although I think these are, while worded differently, these are questions I've asked. Um, have you encountered any unique challenges or experiences as a Black teacher? That one's probably like top on the list if yep. you're really trying to get an insight. How do you create a supportive and inclusive classroom environment for all students? And while <laughs> while that's not unique to Black teachers, I think um, as you ask those questions to Black teachers, you obviously will start to understand some of those. Oh, yeah personal experiences especially if they feel like they can answer honestly about stuff um number seven what do you believe are the benefits of having diverse educators and perspectives in the classroom um i'm actually gonna wrap back around and see what you think about that question so number eight was how do you address or navigate difficult conversations about race or cultural differences in the classroom and um that one i feel like that's tough because um i think it's just you this can't. just gonna be my supposition my um assumption is that uh black teachers probably are more likely to do it but mm. in our state in texas it makes it so hard with sort of the litigation yeah. that's going on it's like you're yes. constantly having to to balance the idea of possibly losing your job and mm -hmm. being real and upfront. That's exactly what I was going to say. That one, uh, specifically to Texas and some of the southern states, especially, mm -hmm. um, you, you gotta, you can't be as open and honest and truthful about facts as you might want to. Uh, number nine, are there any particular cultural celebrations or events you observe or encourage in your classroom? Ten. It doesn't help that our biggest one in Texas is in the summer, so. Which one are you talking about? Pride? Juneteenth and things of that nature, like when it comes oh, down to like black. I was like, girl, what are you talking about? <laughs> that too, but yeah, Juneteenth. some of the big ones are in the summer, right? Some of the big ones are in the summer. <laughs> they are gonna have to like wrap around school dishes, gonna have to make a wrap around and have because you know, we get set to February because they don't they it's hard to even get um, and this is San Antonio Hispanic Pride Month and stuff like that, like. <laughs> Yeah, we um, I think we'll do a better job with Hispanic Heritage Month than we did last year. I in my current school Black History Month, 
I mean, I'm Lit. sure y'all tore it down. Y'all just, Lit. y'all just, yeah. Um, you know, it's in my school. We they they put up pictures and stuff now. Do anything, but you know, girl, yeah, it's not like a thing. You know, the one year um, <laughs> at one particular school, there, you know, there was an attempt to celebrate um, Black History Month, and there was a Black History Month program. It was just interesting. It was about word, Africans. Word of the episode. Word of the episode. Um. It was more centered in um, South African heritage. I just don't think that's the same thing. It's not. And so... First off, how many South Africans did y'all even have? The dances, the music. It was just... um, I don't know. There were... So this was at a campus that, you know, wasn't uh, primarily Black. um, And... uh, I just remember there were lots of looks amongst Black folk, including our um, uh, parents that were, like, first-generation African. Um, Because there was just confusion about, like, was there an understanding of Black History Month? or like? And Mm -hmm. and, and it's tough because you're like, well, it is Black people, by definition, are of African descent. But... I do think there's a cultural difference in Black Americans versus Africans. And not to make this a versus thing, but I, our history is <laughs> different. Do, do they, are they connected? Yes. But it just didn't feel centered in Black American experiences um, and contributions. So it was just like this really awkward thing. And I think even more so because no black people were involved in the planning nobody <laughs> nobody was talked to nobody was asked um and i truthfully believe that this person thought that she was honoring us as a people i do i think it was i do think it was well intentioned but i think people have to remember this is why it's important to have people of, from all experiences at the proverbial table <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, well, see, if they had the AI, I'm sure AI would have did better with that. AI would have okay. said no. The clear difference between <laughs> it's just like when you walk up to a black person and like black people, we know when you're like black versus African, we'd be like, no, that's an African. He's like, how do you know? That's an African. I I can assure you, they're like second generation at best. Like they they might be first. And like we see it, but other people don't see it. He's like, they're not the same. Not the same. They're yeah. they cool, but we just not the same. They're not like they know where they come from. You ask me about that. Don't have an answer for you. Yeah. So it it was just it it was an awkward um awkward yeah, experience. I mean, at least they tried, right? I guess. But see, but see, yeah. And then you can't down them too much because then they won't even try after that. But if you, if you beat them down, then they don't try to pass what they already did. Mm. But you definitely should ask somebody. Yeah. It, it's AI. You just ask So I'm just going to pick a question from that list for you to answer. Unless there's one you heard that you want to answer specifically. No, no. We were all decent. I mean, okay. Okay. So um, question seven was... What do you believe are the benefits of having diverse educators and perspectives in the classroom? Um, well, see, I I believe 
that's probably why I like geography, is that you got to get all sides of the story, that you should see it from everybody's perspective and everybody's world and how everybody's perspective can deepen an understanding of something. So just like when you have um, an incident at a school, I, I always use like admin versus like the student and then the other adult that was around, right? You want to ask everybody what happened because everybody has this different perception of what happened. Everybody has a different understanding. It's the same event, but everybody's understanding is different. A classroom teacher with a, a incident with two kids who's been in their room might have been noticing things, may have been seeing stuff and they've recorded it over time and they've kind of understood like, you know, this is kind of what sets the student off. This is what sets this student off and we're in this environment right then and there. And both of them, this powder keg that was being created had the spark and boom, blew up and they fought each other. Well, the admin is only seeing kids in the hallways and stuff. And maybe they've only seen one of them and only understands one of them, right? And so their perspective is, you know, I have all these rules that I have to follow that have all of these expectations that all students follow no matter what. I don't know what's happened there, but it's just my cut and dry. This is what goes on in my world and how I handled it, right? And so when they come to kids, they try to have understanding of things, but they don't see these kids on a regular basis. So they have this almost non-biased opinion of it, right? <laughs> oh, it's just kids are kids. This is protocol. Where the teacher might have a biased opinion, possibly, of this kid's always in trouble, the other one's not. Two kids themselves have seen each other grow up in things and might have been understanding, have an understanding of like, you know, they're just not my friend and things. So all these different perspectives of one event gives you like this full picture of what, what has happened over time, right? Well, when we talk about classroom culture, it's the same thing. Everything, everybody has this story that they're bringing with them. You have that, the kid who hates math, the kid who loves math. Um, and so when a classroom is diverse with kids, you, you seem to have more fun because I feel like you can ask more questions and you get more energy out of kids and you get different perspectives of why, you know, one kid is using watermelons to describe their math problem while the other kid is <laughs> out here talking about sports. But they're all on the same page. It's still the same topic. So you're like, whatever. Today we're going to use watermelons tomorrow. We're going to use sports to describe the same math problem. Well, the teachers offer that same thing, right? Like if you're always being taught by somebody who only likes watermelon, is only going to talk about watermelon, at some point you're tired of hearing about the watermelon and your math problem. But if you have a teacher who sometimes brings up sports and talks about the World Cup, you have the teacher who is being diverse and then now we're talking about cheerleading and stuff. How they know what cheerleading group is better, I don't know. But they start talking about the different things. And they start talking about, you know, um, I don't know, art. And that gets that other kid interested in things. So all the teachers bring up these different, you know, these different backgrounds of teaching you different information. And so maybe you don't have your best year with this one teacher, but because it's diverse, the school is diverse, you'll have a good experience with another teacher. You can make a connection with the teachers. So if the teachers are diverse, you obviously are going to have a diverse experience enough to understand that one, everybody's different, everybody's going to teach different, but we're all teaching about the same stuff. If you have a classroom that's diverse, you're going to be learning from different kids and the teacher learns from the kids, the kids learn from the kids, and they're getting different perspectives and understanding. If you have an administration that's different, same thing, they're going to bring a different view of how to see the world. You know, you go to some campuses and small things seem so major. 
because everybody in admin, that's how they've been raised. You know, if your whole admin tend is 50, 50 years old, it's a difference than you have a 50 year old administration leader and one who's maybe early 20s or late 20s, someone who's 40, someone who's 80. I don't know. Like they all bring this different perspective and they can talk about like, is this really a problem for us? Or are we making it a problem? So I think just diversity, just it can it can lead to understanding. Right. Everybody has biases. So if everybody's from the same background, that everybody potentially has the same bias, but there's always going to be one person in the group that isn't from that culture. And are we all going to throw our bias against that one person on them all at one time? Then that's when you build that uncomfortable environment that nobody wants to be around, right? I felt like I rambled a lot, but... No, no, I think you made... um. I think you honestly made lots of good points because you talked about it from the breakup, I mean, the breakdown, sorry, of your staff, but also students in your classroom and how having even diverse student populations is beneficial. Um, I think that ties back to like when we're trying to make classrooms and we're trying to ensure that the classrooms are a good mix of mm-hmm. abilities, and language, um, you know, first languages, if applicable, and gender identities, as well as ethnic breakdowns. So to continue my uh, journey through AI chats, oh my! I also asked it, uh, what should white teachers know about black teachers? So it gave me um, six things. So it says, white teachers should be aware of the following points regarding black teachers. One, uh, one, unique experiences. Recognize that Black teachers may have had different life experiences and could have faced their own set of challenges related to their racial identity. It's essential to approach conversations with empathy and an open mind. And so I think that's a great point because in the past when I have, I feel like when I've tried to share that I feel some microaggressions are happening and and bringing receipts of like what these are and why there's a difference when it comes to me, um, the black educator <laughs> on the campus or in the room or on the mm-hmm. grade level, whatever. Um, I feel like it's often like, oh, it's not about that. I'm sure it's not about that. And it's like, oh, okay, so, so help me understand because I'm always gonna go to that last, right? But at some point, you can no longer justify why mm-hmm. people are saying or doing what they're doing. And you're kind of like, what's the difference? The difference is my skin color. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think also because we have these ex- experiences outside of our jobs, we also bring that with us. Like we don't have a choice, right? So when I wake up in the morning, I know when I look, <laughs> when I look in the mirror, I'm this fine ass black woman. <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and I know that's gonna come with these um Cause, cause, yeah I mean you don't realize the biases that they face just because they're a woman sometimes I'm like mm-hmm. you realize he, they just talk to you like you're an idiot because you're a woman but you don't you didn't see it because you you didn't you know because sometimes people just don't they don't think nothing of it like oh they always talk to me that way and it's like it doesn't mean that that was right right like when you go to when you went to the car dealership he started talking to you like he was an idiot. You talked to that man over there. It wasn't the same vibe. He could be both. They don't know you. They don't know them. 
but y'all didn't get the same experience. And this, the only this, difference was you were a woman that was a man. This is such um such a side note, a tangent. But um when you were talking about like going to the car dealership and they speak to you like you're uh they speak to you differently. Um, I do find myself like anytime I need to do anything dealing with my car, um, I'm like well researched before I go. These are the these are the options. Um, these are these are possible solutions. I tend to have an understanding of what uh, what this could cost me. And then even then, after I have to go to the dealership, I'm like, Daddy. Mm-hmm. So this is what they said. This is what I understood. This is what they're saying is charging. And I have to be like, basically, are they BSing me? Is it, what what do you think? And he'll kind mm-hmm. of think through it with me or whatever. And um, even with like the most recent thing, my starter, he said the price, the price on that sounded good, but the price on quoting me for an alternator, he was like, mm, mm, I don't think so. And I was like, yeah, cause that's not what I researched either. Um, but interestingly enough, I had a friend, a male friend call that same company and they, they gave him a similar quote, but what was different is for me, they were like, oh, the alternator, this. But uh, this and this and this could have happened to cause the alternator to uh, go out or to start having issues. And so that's this and this and this extra. So when he called, all this extra didn't happen. They never brought up any of this extra stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, mm, okay. They do. They try, they try to get you. Yeah, it's interesting. So when it wraps around to, back to like teachers, I even think about this when we talk about um, uh, voting. The schools, you know, we're supposed to say they're supposed to be not political, yeah. nonpartisan, yeah, but we know, we know also know that's BS because I mean, it, it, the roles are, they are centered in its policy. It's mm-hmm. it is political. I mm-hmm. mean, our schools, our, our governor appoints, um, you know, our lead officials are in mm-hmm. the education agency. So I don't know how we can call it not political because essentially if they can appoint that person, then that person's going to be aligned to your political leanings. And so yes. it is political. And I'm not saying... I don't know. I'm not even saying the politics of it are wrong. <laughs> they may or may not be, but I'm just saying you can't say it's not political. It when is. It is. And it so, is. And, and as if we're essentially state employees that don't get paid like state employees, um, like you, there's so much that goes into you have to follow this too. So they appoint these people and we're supposed to follow everything that they mm-hmm, decide on. Mm-hmm. So I bring that up because I know in some of the spaces that I've worked in, there are teachers that don't look like me that do align themselves with more conservative leanings in education. And that's kind of the struggle that we're dealing with. And um, and so there's also, there are also these conversations about like, well, we're not getting enough pay and they want us teachers to do all of these things. And I'm like, y'all keep voting these people in office that want this to happen. Mm-hmm. So you can't have it both ways. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's it's sometimes it's like, um, I don't know. I talked to Daddy like a couple of years ago about one issue voters. Um, you know, people, you do what you do what you do. I know you have the right to vote for whoever you vote for. I just think you really need to be thorough in understanding what that party or what that person 
stands for and are you going to believe or um agree with everything they do no i don't i don't even agree yeah there's not 100 um, anyone yeah so that's fine but like if there are core things in my life so you're saying um for instance you need more pay and teachers need more support and this party has traditionally not um supported those things then why am I voting why am I voting for those people or if I'm voting for those people because of other reasons like uh maybe that party I very I believe strongly in um let's say I'm pro-life and so mm -hmm. that's super important to me okay but now you have to make that person like okay but I need you to support me in these things what can you do for us when it comes mm -hmm. to um educating our our students or what can you do about our salaries or what can you mm -hmm. do the big the big talking point is state testing you know uh what are you gonna do about that I just think there's there's so many people that I don't know they're it's so weird it's almost like they're negating the experiences of black folk and basically hurting themselves mm -hmm. in the process or like you're so xenophobic that it doesn't even matter to you that you're voting for someone that's going to keep you poor. Mm -hmm. Like it, it's, it's just so and weird that, that people don't vote their actual interests. Why can't we agree on the meal that we eat? But you said melting pot. And I know when we were, um, I don't know when I first heard that term, but I was definitely a kid and yeah, there was they've, been, this, they've been selling it to us. For well, a while. there was that idea of like the salad versus the melting pot. Right. And Salad. so I think that the melting pot was that more of assimilation. Yeah, a melting pot to when me. When we talked about it, okay. So I, in so many ways, I don't. And I, this is not everybody, and not every region. But there's so many people that are just like, yeah, you're here. America's great. America's great. America's great. Um, just follow the damn rules. Yep. <laughs> and it's speak like, English. But it's like, and yes, that part. Um, there's lots of that. Well, this is America. English it's is our language. And it's like, y'all out here throwing this out here. And that's not even an official yeah, it's not. language. So um, I just think some people just seem to feel like you're here. This is a first world country. Just be grateful that you're here. And it's like, mm -hmm. why should I just accept mediocrity um, uh, I don't accept mediocrity in any part of my life now. I did a little bit with the relationship. But I'm not. I'm doing better with my life now. <laughs> you can't say. <laughs> but you know, you know, I'm gonna raise the bar now. Um, <laughs> but we're just supposed to come here and be happy and shut up and um, basically that's what they feel. Ex except what's happening anyway okay so number three said representation and role models so black teachers can serve as important role models for students of all races providing diverse perspectives and inspiring students to pursue their goals it is crucial for white teachers to appreciate and support the representation they bring to the profession mm -hmm. i mean i feel like that was pretty um <laughs> cut and dry i had um in some of my research for my dissertation um come across similar um conclusions you know, that Black teachers um, are important in supporting Black students, but also all students. And so, like, mm -hmm. I, I tie it to, like, therapy. So the first time I tried therapy, I was like, 
my therapist, there was, I, there, I promise you there was nothing wrong with her. She was like a older, sweet, older white lady. And she would call me Suge. That's not kind it of colorful, but it worked a little bit. It was, I mean, it was given old South, but I didn't feel like she didn't listen or didn't do her job right. But there's something about the comfort in knowing that you're sharing with somebody mm-hmm. that has has experienced this, or at least even had a chance to experience what you're talking about. And so, at some point, it was like, mm, yeah, I'm not comfortable, like being fully transparent with this person um because I have to trust that one they're just not going home telling uh tell a story you know this negro child that's exactly what I was gonna say I was literally Um, gonna say that this negro done came in talking about all this yeah I don't know what she's talking about because people people ain't racist (laughs) yeah um so anyway I ended up kind of um, parting ways with that person. And, you know, they tell you when you're trying therapy, like it can be, it's trial and error with finding the person. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with that therapist. I'm sure she was great therapist for a lot of people. I am um, confident in that, right? But then I found this black lady. um, And uh, anyway, I remember she was kind of like, she had a ex-military background. She kind of, She's kind of firm when she spoke and she's kind of like yeah she talked to you kind of the way mama might talk to you in talking to her not that like as therapists they really share out their experiences that's not what they're doing but in her responses you can tell like she has experiences and can relate that and apply what she's learned through her experiences and through her schooling with what's happening with me and how I can navigate my experiences because at that time like my experiences at work definitely um were taking a toll in like how I identify as a black educator Mm so um you know I I think uh black educators we have to bring our experiences um to the classrooms and really be there for black students, but also kind of tying back to what you said earlier, it gives um, other students from other backgrounds an opportunity to hear a diverse perspective. For sure. And if, if everybody if everybody would agree that diversity just exists and there's nothing wrong with it, that would be so more uh, welcoming to to. Well, when we talk about cultural competence, a few years ago I had this training on cultural competency, and uh, I can't think of off the top of my head, but there are like five or six, I think it's six, levels of competence, right? And so um, colorblindness was right at the least competent. And it's interesting because I think a lot of people think, oh, you know, I don't see color, I don't see color. They keep saying that. And they're thinking they're doing something grand, something great by saying, I don't see color. And it's like, no, no, no. That's the problem. I'm black. And I just want you to respect and appreciate all of this blackness mm-hmm. and all of its glory. Not tell me you don't see color. Well, um, I told you the time the person said that they like, oh, she said she's Afro-Latina. And she the, the teacher was like, that's not a thing. I was like, uh, yeah, it is. I just think you don't get to tell people, and I might have said this on another um, episode, but like you just don't get to tell me how I identify, period. Um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, now now that I say that out loud, though, I'm like, is this a Rachel Dozal um, situation? <laughs> I still, I still, you know, after watching that documentary, I have no, and you know, I'm cool with it. Rachel is Rachel. Okay, okay. I have not seen that yet. Watch, so, you know what? It's Netflix. Watch the documentary. I'm going to watch like, it. You know what? Okay, Rachel, Rachel, cool. Okay. I'm going to yeah. watch it, and then maybe we'll talk about it. Oh, uh-huh, yeah, 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 you got Okay, okay. It'll be cinema Check night. it out. <laughs> Check it out. I was like, she, she, she for the calls. She for the calls, though. Like now, maybe did she approach it the right way? Should we be just lying? Maybe not. But it mm-hmm. comes from a good place, I believe. Right. Okay. So there are a few others, but I'm gonna read. Um, I'm gonna read number five. So number five says addressing racism. Black teachers might have encountered or addressed instances of racism in their personal or professional lives. It's essential for white teachers to acknowledge this reality and be ready to listen, learn, and support their colleagues' experiences and perspectives. Yeah, 100%. Because remember, we still, especially in Texas, there's still some people like racism doesn't exist. And you're like, you can't be serious. Like you saying that makes me think you are a racist. I now, think uh, you you can you I think if they would live life just assuming, and I think this is a good assumption that every black person has experienced racism at least once in their life as an adult, at least once. I'm gonna go with it's probably more than that, but at least once. I mean, I can think back to the first time I remember experiencing it, or what I perceive to this day to have been that. Uh mm-hmm. Livingston, Texas. Walmart. Obviously. Mm-hmm. Walmart shopping for I believe is a Mother's Day gift for Mama, so Mama's perambulating around the store on some other side. We're going to go buy her gift with her money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I remember there was a, a lady working the counter. We're waiting because I I believe we're trying to buy a necklace or something. Um, in the quote unquote fine jewelry, so it's this it's the part that's locked up. Mm-hmm. you know we must have had a little a little budget cash. <laughs> we all must have been putting in on it They're like get oh, us some nice yeah <laughs> but anyway we need help and the lady just kind of ignored us and I remember as a kid this is for sure elementary school and I remember thinking like oh I think she's not addressing us because we're kids but as time progresses, I remember she kept helping other white folks that came up. And then there was this other lady that in my mind, I can kind of like, I can picture her. She kind of presented to me as like Indian, um, like a darker complexion, uh, mm-hmm. like uh, Asian Indian. Mm-hmm. But I don't know what she was. Um, but I did notice that what was happening is the lady, <laughs> anybody that was like closer our complexion was not getting was not getting help. And mm-hmm. so I remember at some point, I want to say either we went to mama or mama came back to us. I don't know. But at some point there was a conversation like, yeah, oh, girls, she's not helping us. And I know we won, did not get that gift that day. Mm-mm. You know, mama good about like, oh, you ain't gonna serve my people. Yeah, right? but two, I'm pretty sure mama charged somebody up. Um, I shouldn't say it like that. Uh, I don't think yeah, she got in there in like the most cutting possible, up. Respectful <laughs> manner. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure um management, if I remember it correctly, management had to get involved. And so it was like, I'm not even saying that's the first time we experienced it. Um, but it's I mean, the first but- that I very vividly 
remember like what that felt like and like kind of just watching it unfold and it's a very still clear you know um things oftentimes I mean I've talked to you about that how things sometimes are very I can see it very vividly um mm-hmm. the image like if I had to recreate it and draw it I could so that's one of those no, moments. And I think if, because, you know, and I'm not sure because, you know, I'm not white, but I don't know if white people have ever had the feeling. It's 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 a very, um like the the body goes through, a, it's a feeling of like, I don't even know, it's like your heart, like your heart sinks, like a little bit of your soul dies. Mm-hmm. And like, it's like, you can, you really can feel like, people don't even think I'm people like Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough and it you know some people feel it in a sense of rage too which is understandable but I think it's 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 like all these emotions all at once because you know if if you've been raised in a positive household where you know you you know that you have self-worth right um if you're you're a person who has had a decent amount of self-esteem this is like this all of a sudden all it's like somebody's trying to deflate all of those balloons all this one time and you you, you didn't have to pull your pen out and burst my bubbles you know mm-hmm. um and so that like the emotion it's there so when when those teachers are um are doing it to adults it's like you you don't even understand like what you're doing to the kid who has seen it too when you tell a kid like oh you know you're not this or when you're when we're telling the story and it's like but slavery was there and you're calling a slave a laborer it like as if they had a choice um I mean I guess they did because they could have got killed Cause that's exciting. Is that a real um, choice when your other choice is death, though? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I guess, I guess, like, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like you gotta, t- you can take, you can take the other route, but like, that's not life, right? And so you're when you're skipping those stories because you're uncomfortable or whatever. When you're taking it out because you're just a leader of the government, and you shouldn't be a leader of the government because other people are idiots as well. Um, when all that's happening, it's like you're making these kids feel this pain that you have never experienced and maybe you have like I don't know maybe it takes you getting a divorce of the man you love or whatever um to feel like real pain I don't know but it's a pain that you can't forget and it's it's like you say even now you can vividly remember I mean I I I can vividly remember we were going some I think we were going to the funeral of some of them uh church I think it is the sister Perry's parents I think that's what happened to be the same day that KKK wanted to go through Austin. And it was like, you know, we had watched documentaries about what the KKK do. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, man, what? You know, KKK is at the state capitol. What? Or they're having their meeting around town. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, there's this sense of fear of, like, I don't know what's going to happen. It's such a, such a sense of uncertainty. And all of the times that you have these teachers that are trying to act like they don't identify, they can't um, identify the differences of people. It's like you're taking away all of those negative experiences that they for sure have felt and acting as if like, oh, that was just, that was, you were just feeling something, you know, that's on you. You're the crazy one. When it's like, no, somebody really did wrong me or wrong my ancestors. Um, The teachers who do it to other teachers and the experiences of like, you know, yeah, maybe you did have an experience with parents um, and those parents were being mean to you just because of your your skin color or your background. Um, I've definitely heard the horror stories of when men who don't respect women talk to these teachers crazy because most of the time they're women, right? And then the male administrator comes in or the coach and all of a sudden they're all pleasant. 
like how you pleasant with him, but you were just you were just so rude to us. Um, the time I said I don't know if I told you the time I had got the email from a parent talking talking so much mess about another school and how they were allowing kids to be gay and all this thing, just ranting and raving. I was ah, like, ah, ah. and I was like, oh, when she comes to see me, she's going to be uncomfortable. This is going like, to be awkward. Yeah. I was like, I didn't have respond. on your bow tie that day, girl. Yeah, I didn't respond, but I was like, but that's that privilege, right? Where you just think like, they don't let them become teachers, do they? <laughs> oh, I cannot wait. This is a teacher for this year? Oh, no, it was a while ago. I mean, a while uh, ago. parent. Oh, man. There was a parent, man. It, it was just, I was like, oh, it's just allowing them to be gay, huh? <laughs> so, yeah. Now, needless to say, um, at some point of the school, during the school year, she had to tell on herself. I forgot. I don't think I ever told you about that lady. No. Uh, I would have loved to see how that went down. So, Angela, it's about that time where we need to wrap up this episode. Um, listeners, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to follow the Teaching Wild Black podcast at teaching underscore black on Twitter. If you have question stories to share or want to be a guest on the podcast, please send an email to teachingwildblackpod at gmail.com. Until we're black at it again, this is your host, Dre and Ange. Hey, yeah, yeah. Signing off.